0: Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes
1: everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast. and appreciate your support.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Press Coverage Podcast. I am your host, from the NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. If you're not following me on Twitter, go ahead at Eric underscore Crocker. Hit that follow button. Also follow the podcast page on Twitter at Press Cub Podcast. Tons of content, defensive back and receiver stuff, daily, hourly. I have a great time interacting with everybody, man. And shout out to everybody for uh, pushing me over a thousand followers. Uh less than a month. Over a thousand followers, man. I, I have a great time with that. Just interacting with people, like, and, and I pick people's brain. I'm always learning, and I just hope that th- this Twitter account and podcast is an outlet for everybody else to learn as well. And speaking of learning, I mean, today I had a great guest on, my guy Chad Wilson from Gridiron Studs. I got to learn from him, not just about, you know, DB stuff, but what he's doing in his community and, and, you know, how it pertains to the defensive backs in this day and age. And we, we both train athletes, and he's doing some really great stuff. So, I, you know what? Let's get into that. Chad Wilson. Harry's Razor is helping Blue Wire listeners with a better shaving experience. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Enough with cheap razors. Go to Harry's now. It's just $3 for our loyal listeners. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blade at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that has been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have already tried Harry's. Claim your trial by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. So again, make sure you go to harrys.com bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. Joining me now on the Press Coverage Podcast is my guy, Chad Wilson. He's on Twitter at Rediron Studs and on Instagram at All Eyes DB Camp. Chad, how are you doing today?
1: Good, man. appreciate you having me on.
0: Oh, no problem. So so you're the CEO of Gridiron Studs. Can you talk to us a little bit about you know, what exactly that is?
1: Yeah, in a nutshell, Gridiron Studs is uh, it's really a moving more to the app now and less on the website. It started off as a website where high school football prospects could go on and create a profile um, and detailing all of their academic and athletic accomplishments, which it would include being able to put their highlight video on there, um, you know, along with with photos, and then you know all the all the necessary stuff that you have in a profile, like forty yard dash times, your uh, strength numbers in the weight room, um, as well as the academic numbers, like your GPA and your SAT and ACT scores and things like that. Everything that you would need to be recruited uh, by by a college football coach or a college football program, and then also, um, you know, it, there's a fan element where fans could go on there and check the latest on a prospect's recruiting because the prospects give. Um, recruiting status updates, and as you know, fans always want to know what a prospect is thinking in terms of where he wants to go to school. So the prospects can also provide updates um, in terms of what's going on with the latest with their recruiting, and so fans can come through and see that. And then the college coaches use the app, and they go through and search through for prospects using our filters and find prospects um, from across the country that's in our database. And you know, we're approaching 4,000 kids in our database so um, I'm very excited about the direction that it's going in and um, you know hoping to move forward and kind of revolutionize and change college football recruiting.
0: Oh man that's 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 big time right there and you know how did you how did you get involved in that or what was the thought process behind creating Gridiron Studs?
1: Um, You know I started it in 2009 but where it really came from is I started coaching high school football And the first high school that I'd started coaching at had some pretty good senior players and they weren't really getting recruited. You know, they just weren't getting much exposure. Um, Hard to believe we're located in South Florida and, um, you know, colleges weren't coming through there. So um, YouTube was kind of new. Well, it was to me. I just created an account and the guys had their highlight videos on disc, which sounds crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But they had them on disc. So I told them, hey, give me the videos, give me the disc, and I'll see if I can you know, take the video and upload it to YouTube, and then I'll contact some coaches that I knew. And I did that. And it was successful in getting those kids' looks and getting them recruited by colleges. So um, one thing led to another, and I just brainstormed on this and said, well, what if I create a website where I don't necessarily have to get the disc from the kids? Um, they could just, if they have their highlight video on YouTube – they could just log on to my website at any any time that they were ready and fill it out and put the YouTube link in there and it would be showing. And we just have all these listings of players. And uh, I would just tell the, the college coaches, hey, go to my website and you guys could find prospects on there. So it just ended up being that. And I thought it would like help out local kids in South Florida or whatever kids that I knew because I'd coached youth ball and I just started coaching high school football. And you know, it's the internet, so one thing leads to another, and kids from all over the country start putting highlight videos on there. So it was fun to me to just keep getting these notifications and go look at these kids from all over the country that were putting their videos on there. And man, hell, I was I was like a recruiter myself. So you know, when I I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd see a couple of good prospects, man, I'd go tell these coaches, hey man, you know, uh, this we've got this kid here and this linebacker here and this DB here and this quarterback and um, it was fun to have that communication from the kids and then back to the coaches and so on and so forth. And then, man, kids from Canada started putting videos on there. Wow. And then um, and in Sweden and overseas, I didn't even know they were playing high school football. In some <laughs> of so it was great for me to see how football is played all over this country and then and then overseas as well. And so one thing led to another. And, you know, I got two sons that play and they were like, well, dad, you know, we don't really use we don't really use desktops anymore everyone's on their phone so you might want to create an app and so I went about having an app created and that's when things really really took off as when I had the app because you know it was more accessible to the kids and so um, you know like I said I'm really excited about the future for it and the direction that it's going in
0: all right so you you also have all eyes DB camping you, you've trained notable guys Nasir Adderley Quincy Wilson Xavier Howard. How did that come about? And do those two things that you do with um, your All Eyes DB camp and Gridiron Studs do they work hand in hand with each other?
1: Um, they do. To answer your second question first, um, you know, in the process of training high school kids, um, you know, I could see the improvement. I could see their work ethic. So I'm kind of hands on with those kids. And of course, I recommend to any of them that are playing high school football. They all want to play college football, so I recommend to them that they do get on the Gridiron Studs app and create a profile and so on and so forth. So, you know, um, with the high school kids, there is that, there is that synergy. As I just tell them to go, go, you know, get set up on the app, and you know, uh, we'll have some coaches start looking at you. Um, to answer your first question, how it started was, uh, you know, I, I was a high school coach for all this time. And, you know, I would go do, you know, work with my two boys and then a couple of kids uh, that I was coaching. So I just started doing uh, the training. And then, you know, one of the guys I trained kept saying, Coach, man, you should be doing this for, for a living. You should be doing this as a business. And I was like, All right, you know, kind of blew it off for a while. Then after a while, I was like, heck, why not? You know, uh, why don't I take what it is I know? Because, you know, it, it, it took a long time to, and it was a winding road to acquire all this knowledge, playing the position, you know, why not, um, pass that on and make a business out of it. You know what I mean? So started doing that. And, um, as time went on, you know, I guess I I was good at what I did. So, you know, high school kids would, um, I start off with high school kids and then, you know, kids would come home from college and then they would start training with me. And, um, and then, one thing led to another, and and Xavier Howard started training with me. Um, so he would come and train with me and then with Quincy, who's playing with the Coles. Um And, you know, Xavian I did good work with Xavier, and people could see um, his work on the field because he's been great the last two seasons. And so this the first season I started working with him, he ended this the season really great gangbusters and then came back again this past season – and had an All-Pro season, and you know, as it as you know, it led into him uh, getting a $75 million contract. <laughs> oh, so he was happy with the work. So he was telling people, and then you know his agents were telling people about the kind of work that I'm doing. Um, and then in the, and then also I had been doing work at certain facilities training guys for the combine, and so um, word got around there. So I guess you know if you if you're good at what you do people will go around and, and tell others. So it just kind of started building on itself through word of mouth. And so I'm, I've been happy to uh, and blessed to be able to work with these athletes and um, and continue to do so. It feels good to work with them in the off season and then see them achieve their goals during the season. It's, it's a really good feeling.
0: <laughs> wow, man, that, that, that's amazing. I, you know, I do some of the same uh, things, you know, training athletes here in hmm. the area, you know, a lot of local high school kids. Yes. Uh, you know, some, you know, college kids and pro kids. And I, I've seen a lot of my kids kind of start to grow and and, uh, you know, move on to, you know, big things. And uh, one thing that I've come across and, I, and I'll and i be interested to hear if you come across the same thing is. Do some of these kids have a a lack of how, how can I word this kind of that like dog in them? You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I felt like when I was growing up, there were so many people, you know, like that were like me where, you know, we would have taken, you know, advantage in a good way uh, to mm-hmm. have someone that's willing to, you know, mentor you, work with you. And, and now, you know, I definitely have guys that have that in them and, and those are kids that I see, you know, go off to the next level and play college football and things like that. But mm-hmm. um it's not as much as, you know, I think would have been when I was, their age I, I don't know if there's you know just distractions you know social media and all these different things and, and i always tell people you know on social media you can be whoever you want to be you know sure. it makes, you know you can post a picture and people oh man you're locked down you're so good but it's like man yeah it, man
1: social media is your good. personal life <laughs> highlight video you know right, so you cut out right. bad stuff and put all the great stuff on there
0: so so have you had like you know have you noticed anything like that with kind of a a, a fall off in the I don't want to say talent because there are a lot of talented kids, but I guess kids that just want it more.
1: Um I I would yes, to answer that question, yes. And I would say that it probably stems a little bit from um, these things are so readily available to kids now. You know, for me to learn the position of playing defensive back, um, I mean, I had a high school defensive back coach, but I mean his 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 knowledge was limited, you know, he was really a teacher. So I would tape games on a VHS, right? <laughs> Just saying VHS probably blows someone's mind. But I'd have to find out when a game that I like was on. First of all, it had to be on in your area, you know? So if there was a game you really wanted, if it wasn't showing on, on, on C, um, CBS or NBC, then all right, you couldn't tape that game that, that Sunday. But when those teams that had good defensive backs were on, I would tape the game, and I'd have to go back and watch it um and watch it and watch it and watch it and then when you're watching something on VHS for your younger audience you gotta rewind to that part um and that's not like you know take your cursor and move something no you gotta go flip through however 30 minutes of play happened in the in the second quarter and you were now in the fourth quarter you had to rewind all the way back to the second quarter and then after that I started making these cut-ups Um, so I would have to go through and edit and it required having two VHS machines. So all this editing just to get my DB tape, DB VHS tape, so I could have all the plays I wanted on there. That's a long process. And I, am not even going to get into how, you know, all what it takes to do that. So you had to go search out and find this information. And these kids today have so many things readily available to them. You, you, you have trainers like you and myself, and, um, you've got YouTube, um, you've got Instagram, all these things that are available to them, I think they kind of just take it for granted. And then also um, professional athletes over the years have just been so glorified that a lot of these kids want what the game brings and they don't necessarily want to go through all of what it takes to get there. I mean, they, they, they want all the riches and they're not trying to do all that work to get there. It's, a lot of them have the wrong idea about what it takes to get to that level. I definitely see that in running that recruiting business and running Gridiron Studs. You know, I'll, a kid will come to me and he's got 155-pound bench press. He runs a 4.8. He's <laughs> 50 pounds, and he wants me to have Clemson and Boston College look at him. So <laughs> right. long, you have the wrong idea of what this thing is about. It's not a game. This is like you serious athletes up there. So I think it's just a matter of there's so many so many things available to them, and then they also just want the end result of of it all, all the money, um, and all of all the riches and all the things that they could get, but they don't necessarily love football like that. And then two, what you brought up, there are a lot of distractions, man. The, the only thing you really had back in the day, if you could afford it, was you know uh, one of those one of those video game machines in the house. You know, if you had an. Ent- <laughs> right. Or, you know, an Atari or something like that. And you're not you're not going to play that forever. So we were outside. We were playing. Um, and there's a lot, a whole lot less of that with these kids today.
0: Yeah, I, I see a lot of the same things. And, you know, we're going to get into some guys right now, some dogs, right, um, as I mentioned before. So our, we're going to list off our top five greatest defensive backs ever. And there are going to be a few guys that I don't have on here that I probably should. Like you mentioned before, you know, you said, hey, I'm interested to hear why you don't have Deion Sanders. Well, I was only two years old, and uh, I just just didn't watch a whole lot of, you know, when he was, I think he he was drafted, what, like 89, right, around there? Yes. So, yeah, I was two years old. So I didn't really get a chance to see him. Um, My list starts around 1998.
1: Okay. All so right. so I, I know I know one person for sure that's gonna be on your list that's not on mine. And for the younger generation, they're not gonna be able to understand why, but <laughs> right. It is what it is.
0: All right, so here we go, man. We start off with five and I'll let you go first. You're the get you're the guest. So go ahead, man. You're number five top college football defensive back ever.
1: My number five top defensive back in college football ever is somebody that, you know, unless you were in this era, you're not going to have this guy on your list. But there's a guy by the name of Dre Bly. And the reason why I have Dre, Dre Bly played at North Carolina, did, um, his career in the NFL, while good, did not match what he did in college football. So I'm, you know, really sticking this strictly to how, guy, how the guy performed in – In college football so in three years of playing ball he had 20 interceptions and dre is the kind of guy that you would want to watch as a cornerback because he would man he would take those chances you either wished you could take or that you wanted to take and you weren't sure if you could do it um he was a real student of the game and he one of those guys who believed what he saw so if he watched something on tape all week and then that's what started unfolding in front of him in the game well he believed it and if that, if what unfolded in front of me meant this guy was running a hitch, well, then he jumped the hitch, and he'd go pick that thing off. So, um, you know, that was very impressive for me to watch it. He left an impression on me. And, man, when a guy has 20 interceptions in college, um, he deserves to be on some kind of list, top five, top ten, something. So, um, And then he did that in three years. So it was very impressive watching uh, Dre, Dre Bly play cornerback.
0: Yes, he said, Dre Bly, I remember him coming out very clearly and um a lot of people don't know but yeah he was number 32 for the Rams I believe when they won a Super Bowl uh yes. show on turf team and right. I, I think the biggest thing and I've been kind of like uh pushing this uh lately is you know his lack of height you know mm-hmm. Dre Bly in this era people would have probably just tried to stick him and make him strictly a slot a corner <laughs> yeah, right? no where you know he was a big time outside corner Dre Bly mm-hmm. played you know really big and that, that's kind of been my thing where I've been pushing lately is, you know, you don't have to be a certain height
1: mm-hmm. to
0: play the cornerback position. You just have to be good and play big. And Dre Bry right. was one of those guys. Yeah, no right, doubt. He, he didn't make my top five. <laughs> right.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> at five, my my the first guy I have is Chris Gamble from Ohio State. Understandable. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and Gamble's a guy, I, I think, you know, looking back, at, at my list, and some of these guys, uh, I, I won't spoil anything yet, but there are a few guys that play both ways, and Gamble was one of those. He, he started uh, 12 of his 38 college games, he started both ways. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wanted guys that were very impactful in in games and big games, and, you know, one of his biggest plays probably of his college career was a uh, – well, I'm a Miami Hurricane fan, so I think it was pass interference, but uh, – yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> to, to end the game against uh, Miami. And that was a loaded Miami team. Man,
1: I, one of the worst nights of my life. But Man, yeah.
0: I'm a Hurricanes fan. So, you know, just, uh, you know, the the impact that he had on that game, the impact that he had on the Ohio State team throughout his career there, you know, I had to have him, you know, number number five on my list. Mm-hmm. I, looking at my list now, I couldn't have him any higher. But someone mm-hmm. that had a big hand in helping a team win a national championship uh, I had him have him on here. So Chris Gamble, that's my number five guy, and, and he went, went on to be a solid pro. Uh, Twenty-seven career interceptions for Carolina Panthers. Uh, you know, played played a lot of football. About eight years in NFL, not extremely long, but it was a nice, uh, good, uh, you know, career. So it wasn't mm. like he was just somebody like that was a bust, which I saw a lot of that with my receivers list. I did an all-time receiver mm. list, and uh, you know, it was a lot of guys that were drafted extremely high you know had so right. much success in college college football but in the NFL sure. they didn't have that and he wasn't one of those guys he had a pretty good uh career over, sure
1: man over. i'm i'm probably so salty about that game i couldn't put anyone on that ohio state team <laughs> on any list on anything yeah. was, i'm so salty about it but definitely a solid player um so you know i i could understand him being on the list
0: so so who do you have at number 4
1: number four um and this is crazy because i battled really hard um between three and four uh, and so three and four for me could have been either or but i've got number four as sean taylor um who could easily be anywhere in the top four in this list um and you know for anyone listening do i need to really go on about sean taylor (laughs) you know a freak athlete Um, Definitely full of big plays in his career for the Miami Hurricanes. Um, One of the more impressive things that he did for me, you know, a DB purist who really studies things is they went and played Pitt one night and Larry Fitzgerald was kind of having his way with the corners outside because of his size and, you know, his skill level. It's Larry Fitzgerald. Um, And, you know, Miami decided, well, look, we need to match that size with size. And they put Sean Taylor out there and he did a damn good job. On Larry Fitzgerald and you know if you want to if you want to go Google right now and see the kind of career Larry Fitzgerald had in college and then what kind of numbers career numbers he has in the NFL for anyone to really line up in front of it let alone a guy that played safety all day was super super impressive but <laughs> right. between the big hits um, the the timely interceptions what he could do with the ball when it was in his hands uh, you know you talk about gamble playing both ways I mean, Sean Taylor could have went to a 40 or 50 schools in college football and done the same thing and really excelled. Um, it, it's, it was just outstanding watching him. And he was played at a time when I would be able to go back to games. So from the sidelines, just watching that kid operate was uh, truly remarkable. And, right,
0: man, it, it's crazy you have him at four. I have him at four as well, Sean Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Jim Thorpe award winner, uh, you know, fifth overall pick by the Redskins. Uh, you know, you you talked about big plays, and that was one thing that jumped out to me, you know, with him. And there's another guy on your list who is probably coming next, so I'm not going to throw him out mm-hmm. there yet. Right. But, um, you know, big plays. And, and that was the thing with, with me. What, what did this guy do? What impact did he have? He had 10 interceptions in one season, you right. know, playing safety. And it seemed like every time you watched Miami – he was getting interceptions. It, it, it seemed like every game. Exactly. And he had some big games against Florida State. And Florida State was a big rival, especially during that time. That that mm-hmm. rivalry has kind of died down a little bit as far as, like, across the nation. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you go back to 2000, 2001, 2002, uh, 2003, and that era, you know, Miami and Florida State, it, it was coming down to field goals <laughs> more, right. more times oh, than yeah. not, man. There, there was a <laughs> big-time game. So I'm not going to go on too much about him, but – Fifth overall pick to the Redskins. Uh we know he had the tragic death in I believe 2007. I know it was around the yeah. time my son was born. Uh so yeah man, uh Sean Taylor, amazing player and he was just as good as he was in college. He was in the NFL. It's unfortunate that his, you know, life yeah, was Yeah, we short. got
1: we got robbed, no yeah. question. Um we definitely got robbed with his untimely death and I was just really excited to see cuz cuz he was really coming into his own. Um, as an NFL player, and then you know life got cut down, c- cut short. But yeah, outstanding, one of the best athletes I've ever seen operate on a football field. All
0: right, man. So, so who do you have at three?
1: At number three, um, Terrell Buckley. So your younger T audience, T. Buck, T. Buck, man, T. Buck. Um, and the reason why, the the reason why I probably got T. Buck over Sean Taylor's T. Buck was like instrumental in in kind of teaching me some things before. Terrell Buckley, I didn't really know much about reading a three-step, you know. But I studied the hell out of that guy in 1991, um, and I just started to notice what he was doing. Like, this guy's playing man. Why is he looking at the quarterback? <laughs> right. well, quarterback set up quick, and he's making a break before the receiver makes a break because the quarterback's ready to throw. And one of the biggest things that stood out to me is that game against – Michigan. I had a roommate that was from Detroit and he was telling me how Michigan was going to do this and that to the Florida State and these boys. And man, first series of the game, pick six, jumped in front of the guy, and I analyzed that play over and over and over. I'm like, his eyes are inside. And man, you know, he made his break and he he looked at the receiver, drove the receiver, and then looked back in at the quarterback. Man, that was sweet. Well, that was just one of two interceptions he had in that game. And he had 12. During the season. So, for someone who was playing college football at the time and watching this dude just get pick after pick after pick every week, man, I was just blown away by this guy's ability to make plays. And this was in his third season. So, like, they, he came into the season his junior year. People know who you are. And, you know, for us, typically when you come into the season with a name, you're not going to put up numbers like that. Guys right. just like, you know, they're going to avoid you. They're not going to really mess around with you. So he kind of had that same thing. But the thing about T-Buck was he was such a gambler that every now and then in in college, you can get a big play on him. And that was enough for you to think you can go get another one. And that's when he picks the pass off and goes the <laughs> other way with it. So, you know, amassed 12 interceptions his junior year, along with the nine he had coming in, 21 career interceptions, Um, four of them he ran back for touchdowns, and then people don't really realize that he was also a pretty good punt returner. He ran back three punts for touchdowns while he was at Florida State. So, in three years, seven touchdowns as a defensive back, and you never played offense. Man, that's some production. So, you know, (laughs) T-Puck had to be on the list.
0: Um, You know, real quick, so someone, uh, a kid DM'd me uh, recently, and he asked, do you prefer reading quarterback's initial three steps or 5 steps drops? Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have a good answer for him because Mm -hmm. that wasn't something that I was taught. So can you, uh, for the listeners out here that listen to this podcast, not only, you know, to learn about past and current players, but technique as well. Can you talk a little bit about uh, breaking down, you know, reading the quarterback? Because that's something that I'm not super familiar with because I was never Mm -hmm. taught it.
1: Right. Um, You know, a lot of these guys are taught read the three-step but I took it a little bit further because again me and my VCR man if I analyze I've you know I'd come up with a lot of stuff just analyzing it but just on the three-step thing uh, when you're lined up you might be playing man coverage or some kind of a zone where you have the uh, you have the ability within the defense to maybe jump something short but keeping in man coverage, you're playing man. You're off man, so you're at a, you know about six, seven yards. You're looking at normally in man coverage, you're looking at your guy. You're looking at the wide receiver. But when you're reading a three-step, you have your eyes inside at the at the quarterback, and you're going to read the quarterback's drop because most of the time the quarterback is going to reveal what kind of pass play it is before that receiver is. So that quarterback takes a three-step drop and he's ready to fire you can now break down come out of a come out of your pedal and get ready to break on a short route because that's what you know off that three-step drop you know this is a short route so um you see the quarterback when you see that three-step drop you plant you get ready but the key is now getting your eyes back to the wide receiver and there's two reasons for that one is you need to see what short route it is could be a hitch, could be a slant. So you need to now break and take the proper angle. And then the other thing, too, is it could be, uh, you know, a sluggo. It could be a hitch and go. So if you don't get your eyes back to that wide receiver and drive him, you're not going to see that it's a double move. And, you know, you and I both know what's going to happen if you don't see that double move. Strike guy's up the be, band. Yeah, strike up the band, which <laughs> is what ended up happening to T-Buck too much when he went to the pro level he just turned into too much of a gambler and he got beat on those double moves a lot but those real that's really the nuts and bolts of it so your eyes are inside at the snap when you get that three step read from the quarterback you snap your eyes back to the receiver you find his path you make sure it's not a double move but you're you get a you get a early start on that short route and you know a lot of times if you execute it correctly you could find yourself right in the path of the throw and you can get yourself a nice pick. Usually when you pick off a three-step route, you got a pretty good chance of going to the end zone, with the, which is what we all want as defensive backs.
0: Right, getting that house. So so my number three, this was a guy that went to the house a lot too, and another guy that played, you know, uh, both ways, or mm-hmm. three ways because he played special teams as well, mm-hmm. Champ Bailey out of Georgia. And
1: you know, I, sh- I struggled with that when I thought he, <laughs> I, I was looking for a way to get him on my list.
0: Yeah. Champ, man, that was that was my guy, and I remember him coming out, and I'm like, man, he's having dang near as good of a college career as as uh, Charles Woodson. You know, right. his last year, and we we know Woodson won the Heisman, but uh, I thought Champ Bailey at at uh, Georgia played at that high of a level. Mm-hmm. Um, now Georgia didn't always have you know the big wins and in the big spot sure. like like uh, Michigan did, you know, right. in, in those big battles and things. But I I, I thought if you know, if anybody, man, like especially cornerback and in, in the translating over to the NFL, it was Champ Bailey. He was a lockdown guy in college. Uh, he actually had in his last year 47 catches for 744 receiving yards. So, right, I mean, really a true two-way player, a blazer uh, drafted seventh overall to the uh, Redskins. Uh, Champ Bailey, he he was uh, the nation's top defensive back that year. Uh, just. Uh, the joy to watch, you know, his, his college career and how it went to the NFL, and him kind of being the forgotten man when when people talk about man-to-man coverage and they always, you know, they list the top guys. Champ was one of them, and I, I don't right. think that he gets the notoriety that he should. But um, I'm glad I was able to, you know, plug him in on this list. Champ Bailey, that's my number three guy. So uh, yeah, yeah,
1: and and a note on that, Eric is like, I deliberately. um kept two-way players off my list because I feel like and I see this in recruiting like we give maybe a little bit too much credit to them being a DB because they also played um, on the offensive side of the ball and then also I know there's a number of guys that were just defensive backs that if you if their program or their coach had given them the opportunity to play on the offensive side of the ball they would have done some pretty crazy things. Uh, like let's go like back. you to mentioned Sean. with
0: Sean Taylor, right?
1: Yeah, like if you put Sean Taylor on offense, you put him at running back. Why does he would have been? You would have <laughs> want somebody's award over. He, I don't yeah. know if any of your, you know, if any of your listeners have ever seen his high school tape of him playing running back. Like he could have easily gone um, to Miami as a running back and been a starter on that team. And for you to go back and think about the guys that were playing running back back then, McGay, that's almost Gord. almost
0: impossible. Yeah, right, just yeah. A
1: <laughs> But he was that good. The guy scored 32 touchdowns his senior year. He was he was outstanding, but he just didn't really have that opportunity. So that's the kind of difference for me. Champ Bailey was a damn good corner, man, and, and even better when he got to the NFL level. But, you know, him and Woodson, I thought those guys got a little extra boost because they played offense, and I see that same thing happen in in high school ball too. Will you know these guys will quickly get a five star rating because they also play offense, and they're put ahead of guys who are just pure defensive guys. And I'm not always sure that that's the right thing to do. But man, that's not to say we could take anything away from Champ Bailey because he was that dude on the island.
0: Yeah, you know, and and to talk about the whole like you know two way player, you know, in recruiting and things like that. Like I, I talk to kids all the time, and I tell them, do as much as you can because colleges, sure. they're going to put you where they want to put you. And right. a lot of them are recruiting the athlete. So I mm-hmm. tell kids, you want to play, you know, offense and you want to be good. But work on this mm-hmm. defensive back stuff too because when you go to the camps, you know there's going to be 150 kids there and out of 150 kids, 120 of them are going to be receivers. going to be about 30 cornerbacks. All right, so, you know, I, I tell people, man, learn, learn the be able to cover, learn to have that technique. So when you get to college, mm-hmm. if that is where they decide to put you, the technique and, and playing that position isn't foreign to you and you get on the field as early as you can. So I always say yeah. this, man, like, like we don't, could have don't a just pretty... focus on receivers.
1: Yeah, we could, we could have a pretty good discussion on that because um, I'm noticing this thing too as where programs are they – they've been trying to take guys that played strictly offense – and say, you know, they're going to they're gonna be defensive backs when they get to college. And more and more I'm seeing those situations fail um, because guys are coming in more polished that play defensive back in high school. That's, number, that's one reason. Um, two, these programs don't have a lot of patience with recruits when they bring them in. It's like within that first summer that they're there on campus, they determine whether or not can, a kid can play a position or not or, or even play um, and they kind of throw them aside. And then, you know, the, th- the third thing, too, is, is like um, if you don't have good coaching at the program, if you don't have a good position coach when you get to college, that transition from running back or wide receiver or quarterback – to defensive back at a college football level, if you're playing big-time ball, it gets to be very, very difficult. Because on top of being a good athlete, you're going to have to be technically sound as well because these guys are better and better athletes. And I'm seeing that fail a whole lot more uh, for kids for those reasons.
0: Right. I, I'm seeing the same thing, man. So, so you're number two. We're on to number two guy.
1: Yes. Number two is Ed Reed. And, you know, if you see a theme with my list, it's um, a lot of ball production and man, when it comes to ball production in college in in, in pro ball, if you go read a bio on Ed Reed, when he was in high school, like this guy has been doing this interception thing all his life. Just don't throw the ball anywhere around this guy. So, um, he definitely got that done, uh, while he was at the university of Miami, um, 22 career interceptions, I believe. Um, or 21 career interceptions at the University of Miami. And uh, one of those years, he, he had he had one year where it was eight and another year where it was nine. And he was a guy that came in at a time where, you know, Miami was down um, coming off of the probation and everything else. So he's one of those first guys that came in and, and, and one who truly blossomed as the program grew. But just his playmaking ability, um, you know, through the charts that last year his senior year now and again I talk about a guy coming back and everyone knows who you are so they would avoid you maybe a little bit tougher when you're at safety for for teams to avoid you but he came back that final year and in nine interceptions 206 return yards two of them taken to the house Um, I just couldn't have a list without that playmaker Ed Reed back there on top of that he'd, he'd hit you too um so uh just too much production out of ed reed for me to not have him on this list and i've got him as high as number two
0: all right so on my list number two ed reed (laughs) so we did this again uh at four we both had sean taylor at two we both have you know ed Ed reed and you know just to piggyback off what you said you know you you mentioned all the interceptions the 17 interceptions in his last two years big plays again I, i put more stock in um, being able to do it at a high level in big mm. games as well. And that guy did it sure. time and time again. Just like mm. I said with Sean Taylor, I, you know, I brought up the Florida State games, and it seemed like every time you watch Ed Reed, do was making big plays. And mm. just like he did, I mean, uh, another great NFL career as well, uh, those, those ball hawking skills translated. You know, he got a pick against my 49ers in the Super Bowl in 2012. I'm like, man, this guy just going to retire? Like, you know, he's killing <laughs> my 49ers right now. But, uh, now, Ed Reed, you you've already said a, a ton about him. Uh, another guy, like you, you know, you mentioned about people who can play both ways, but didn't mm-hmm. get the opportunity because of maybe the you know the circumstances at his college. And yeah. you know, in Miami, they didn't need him on offense, but what he did on defense was just as impactful. So number two on my list, definitely Ed Reed.
1: Yeah, I mean, and just a side note, uh, I went and watched the Ravens play against the Dolphins in a playoff game down here uh, one year. And, you know, I got my eyes on what's happening in the secondary. And Ed came over pre-snap to the numbers on the right side of the field. And it looked like it was like a a straight-up double team, like the kind of stuff you do on Tyreek Hill where the safety just says, forget about being in the post. I'm all the way over here, and we're just going to double team this dude. Snap of the ball, he takes off from the numbers on the right side and makes a beeline all the way across to the numbers on the left side. And you know, it was Chad Pennington, a very smart quarterback, saw this pre-snap, said, "Okay, I got this uh, on the on the on the other side of the field. Like, there's no safety there." Laid the ball up, and Eds over there on a beeline and intercepts the ball. Is like, first of all, who has the nuts? to line up like that on the right side numbers <laughs> and go run all the way up. I was like, man, all I could do is just stand up and clap just for the, the, the courage and moxie he had to do something like that. So that's just the kind of player he was.
0: It, it, it's crazy for how good he was and how accomplished he was in college. He still slid to the 24th uh, pick in the draft. And, you know, you, you saw what, like, uh, two years later, you know, Sean Taylor, who – you know had a similar impact in college uh you know he he was drafted a lot higher he was drafted like six or seven M- overall
1: man so. all measurables man all about yeah. 40 time in height that right. you know people get messed up and and you know put too too much importance on it's important but too much importance on
0: it. right so so your number one guy man number one all time uh who is he
1: my number one guy, and listen, if you if you grew up in my era, there's no DB list you could have without putting this guy on it, <laughs> um, and that's Deion Sanders. And so, while unlike, um, you know, the other guys on my list, he probably has the least amount of interceptions in college um, out of the guys on my list, um, but there is a very good reason for that, and he's one of the. He's probably the first guy I've ever seen where um, teams just flat out avoided him. He ended up with 14 interceptions in four years, but he was so damn dangerous when the ball touched his hands that a quarterback could not risk whatever gain I could get throwing this ball over here. What could go wrong could be so terrible if that ball fell in the number two's hands that I this is like the first time I remember in my in in my college football watching career that offenses quarterbacks just really tried to avoid this guy and even with that his senior year was you know his best five interceptions but um you know they tried to punt the ball away from him they tried to not throw the ball to him and with all this avoidance in the game plan this guy would still find ways to make huge outstanding plays so everything from the interceptions, which I think he, he still has the Florida State um, interception record, longest interception. I think he had a 100-yard interception return. Wow. Um, and and just the pure athleticism. You know, I remember Andre Risen being a really bad dude in college. I mean, he was w- one of the top receivers. Um, and Michigan State came to play Florida State. And it was like... Deion treated this guy like like he was his little nephew in the backyard in a barbecue that just wanted to play a little touch football. I mean, swooped <laughs> up on him on a post route. Like, let, let Andre Risen go to the post by himself. As soon as the ball was in the air, swooped up on him, jumped over the top of him, intercepted it, got up, pointed at Andre Risen, flipped the ball, high-stepped off. There's just no way I could not have Deion Sanders on this list. Mr. Primetime big play man himself.
0: All right, man. So uh, again, I, I would love to have Prime on this list. I thought I was Deion Sanders. I was just a whole lot slower. But if you would have watched me when I was a kid, um, anytime I had the ball in my hands, I was high stepping. I have a picture, and maybe I'll post, I'll, uh, I'll send it out. Maybe I'll post it to my Twitter account. But um, mm-hmm. I have a high school picture of me with the wrist, with the headband around my neck. So, oh, that um, was me. Yeah. So <laughs> Deion, I mean, the impact uh, that he had just on me wanting to play the position um it it that shows how how you know I you know I, I don't tell anybody about this but when he retired from the Redskins I actually like cried mm. when he when he retired that that's how much yeah. that's how big of an impact he had on me uh playing the game so right. Dion I wish I could have seen him in in college uh right. I didn't but his entire career uh pro career for the most part I'd say from the 49ers which was in 1994 from then mm-hmm. on, uh, yeah, man. Which
1: I think was his best year as a pro.
0: Yeah, d- defensive MVP, uh, you know, he had six picks, and he took back like three to the crib, uh, yeah. height stepping. I mean, you know, he he was the difference, and I feel like if, if the 49ers would have, you know, kept him, we probably would have had a couple more, you know, Super Bowls to add to that, that trophy. Oh, game. no but,
1: question. No question.
0: Yeah, and then they let him go to Dallas. Which it's like, how do you let him go there? And then to hear his, uh, on his 30 for 30, him talking about how the 49ers didn't even try to bring him back. Like that was yeah, that's crazy. Maybe
1: maybe Jerry Rice had something to do with it. I don't know.
0: Right. So so my number one guy, because I didn't get to uh, you know, watch watch uh Dion, is a guy as uh Dion esque, I guess? Charles Woodson? I,
1: I mean he, he might have been the Dion of your era, you know
0: what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, big play guy in Michigan. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I remember it like it was yesterday, man. The the big. I mean, this is like 1997, 1998. Mm-hmm. I just remember like watching the game with my brother. My brother's like, man, you have to watch this guy Charles Wood- Woodson. And we mm-hmm. would watch anytime Michigan and Michigan came on TV a lot. <laughs> you know, like you said, right. you know, you only get what's local to you. But at this time, you know, ABC, you know, channel uh, channel ten out here, channel thirteen. They were going to show the right. big games, and right. Michigan was always in those big games more times than not. And there was this one game. It was Charles Woodson versus David Boston. Yeah. And I mean, it it doesn't get any bigger than that. Uh, especially right. at that time. So for him, you know, interception in that game, punt return for a touchdown in that game, um had pretty much a game-saving interception in the back of the end zone, man. Charles Woodson, he he won pretty much every damn award you can win that year, including the Heisman, which I don't I don't think I've seen a defensive player Win Heisman since, and I don't know Mm -hmm. if somebody won it before him, but uh, especially being a defensive back, that wasn't something that you saw a lot. I mean, you don't see it at all. Uh, 16 interceptions in three years. uh, Was drafted to the Raiders and was the you know defensive rookie of the year. Uh, So man, Charles Woodson, that's my number one guy. Just get the ball in his hands. A lot like some of these other guys, but even more than the athlete that they were, they were terrific technicians on the defense side of the ball and that was one thing I respect for him and then for him you know late in his NFL career to make the transition to safety when people thought maybe his NFL career was over and it was like Mm -hmm. dang it's just now getting started he went on to win defensive player of the year um you know won a Super Bowl with the Packers and you know people are looking at the Raiders like man you guys let this guy go this guy's balling right now it it was like the second half of his career was just as good if not better in the first part of his career. So, Charles Woodson, man, that, that's my number one guy on my list.
1: Yeah, he's not on my top five college football DBs. He's definitely my top five in the NFL. Um, I think as big a playmaker at the defensive back position in the NFL that there's ever been. And I, I have this, um, this playmaker sheet um, where it's you know I, uh, it's something that I did when I coached high school. Um, And I would assign points to certain things that, you know, guys did on the field. Um, And so between the interceptions and the forced fumbles um, and the recovered fumbles and the scoring of touchdowns, um, you know, according to my sheet, Charles Woodson is better than anyone who's ever played this game um, at doing that. And that includes Ed Reed, who's, you know, according to those numbers, is pretty high as well. So I see Charles Woodson is your guy in that Heisman Trophy year. Um, what's that Charles what was that what was the one moment in that year that sticks out for you that one play where was the Charles Woodson play for you I have an idea but uh, what would you say
0: oh the uh, heads down to me it was the David Boston that the entire matchup like yeah just what, what happened in that game I don't know if you want to touch on it but like just the things that the happened in match that, the whole boxing match <laughs> man, that, the things that happened in that game the boxing match and it was just like that's how you compete and to me, I, I, you know, the guys on this list, I learned how to be a competitor, even though I didn't have, you know, the, mm-hmm. the God-given athleticism like these guys right. had. But mm-hmm. one thing that kind of helped me and, you know, kind of helped me make it to the professional level, you know, even just to have an opportunity was I learned from these guys how to compete. And I right. think that's one thing we talked about kids nowadays kind of missing that dog a little bit. And you have some mm-hmm. guys that haven't, a lot of guys that are missing it, but mm-hmm. I don't think they watch football like, like we did.
1: You know, oh, no. They, they're students of the no. game
0: like we were. And I think that's kind of that alone might be what is, you know, kind of watering down what what it meant to be an athlete, you know. Right. Like you said, now it's more about what it looks like and what can come from it and not just having that pure love for the game. And, yeah, I, I learned a lot from these guys on how to just be a competitor, and that's one thing I, you know, I appreciate more. You know, uh, Deion Sanders, like you mentioned, the fight with Andre Risen and, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't a fight because, oh man, this guy is dogging me, or you know, that's what you see now. A guy gets frustrated because somebody's dogging him, and then now he mm-hmm. wants to fight. This is just, mm-hmm. man, we're competing. And then the refs let right. them play. It's like, okay, got to fight. Okay, keep playing. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. So. You slap me
1: in my face mask. I know I'm going to slap you in the face mask better than you slap me in my face mask. i <laughs> crazy after that.
0: Right, man. So, yeah, that, that's my number five, man. Uh, Chad, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Again, guys, if you guys aren't following him already – on Twitter gridiron studs again doing a lot of great things you know helping kids get off to college and then on Instagram all eyes DB camp where he posts a ton of videos he breaks down a bunch of different things he creates a lot of um, dialogue you know between uh, athletes making them think hey what this guy do wrong on this play you know yeah. what do you guys think about this and I see the responses I think it's amazing what you do um, man but yeah I, I appreciate you coming on man
1: yeah, man, I, I I could do like two, three hours of this talking DB stuff, you know, especially <laughs> especially when we bring in the pass into the into the current, man. And yeah, listen, you're doing great things too with this podcast. I don't think I've ever heard a full-on uh, defensive back podcast before. So, man, keep doing what you're doing, um, and 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 bringing awareness to this position, and and you know, keep uh, glorifying it and glamorizing it because we need more guys on the dark side picking off passes since it's a passing league now.
0: Right, yes, sir. And and real quick, if you could just throw, you know, I I don't want to limit to limit you to just one guy or you know, but just a a couple guys who you are just big fans of now. Cause we talked about a lot of the past guys, but just two guys in in the NFL right now that just kind of stand out to you.
1: Two guys right now that stand out to me, man. I would you know I'd be biased. I I'd, I'd have to be talking about my guys. But listen, you'd have to definitely say Xavier, um, with what he did, um, ending this ending the year, um. Uh, tied for the most interceptions and I don't, he didn't play the last three four games of the season so um he's been outstanding I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, you know the hard work that he does and and how he goes about playing and um and and in ball skills man really really great ball skills it's one of the great things that he has is like he doesn't drop interceptions so when he gets his opportunity um, he really goes out there and do it and then you know another guy not someone I trained Ben but I got a lot of respect for uh, I don't want to be all cornerback centric I got a lot of respect for Earl Thomas in this game um, you know he's maybe not as glamorous um, as maybe some of the other guys uh, but when I watch him on tape that guy plays his position the right way definitely plays it the right way um, and it, that just goes for everything. His leverage on on forcing runs and making tackles, um, and and how he plays in the post, how he comes off the hash, how he reads routes. Um, when I think of it from a coach's standpoint, that's a guy I would definitely want and have in my secondary. There's a lot of guys out there, you know, um, that are that are playing. And so, um, but just from a pure standpoint of doing everything right. Um, you know, definitely Earl Thomas, man, and you know, and then you know, on top of all that, I'm super excited for my son um, and how he finished his season off with the Colts and what they're expecting from him this year. It's just exciting to um, to see him in that position now to really take advantage of everything, all the hard work that he's put in. So I'm excited for him um, this season, and as, as and for the Colts as a whole, you know, coming out of nowhere last year, now people are talking Super Bowl. And people were, weren't were really thinking that at the beginning of last year when they were 1-5, and five, so I'm excited for that.
0: And you, you have another sign coming up as well, right?
1: I do, man. Marco Wilson is uh, heading into his third year at Florida. He was an uh, all-SEC freshman. Unfortunately, in his second game last year against Kentucky, he tore his ACL, so he missed the remainder of the season. But uh, he's rehabbed his behind off, and, uh, man, he's going to be 100% ready to go. Uh, when the season starts So I'm really excited For that too So as you can imagine What my weekends uh, Must look like um, <laughs> You know The wife and I Heading out to Wherever Florida's playing And then trying to get To wherever the Colts Is playing And um, it's it's fun But it's uh, it's also crazy Also going in and out Of airports And, and stadiums Across the country
0: Wow man that, that That's amazing man Well I, I appreciate You coming on I appreciate all the content You just dropped I'm pretty sure that the, the people that listen to my podcast they they just love football they love these positions so mm-hmm. um they're, they're gonna eat this up man and yeah i i, I really yeah the breakdowns
1: you, you do are great man i found myself in a lot of your threads just looking at the clips that you've put in there um and and digesting a whole bunch of that you know what i mean and then and then introducing me to uh certain guys i may not have been paying attention to um has been good too and then you and i Um, really agree on, on, on Jalen Hurd. I was, you know, I don't know if you ever saw, I was on Twitter one day, like saying, man, why this guy, that was a silly decision for him to leave Tennessee as a running back and go be a wide receiver at Baylor. I just don't understand (laughs) that that decision. And I was arguing with a guy from rivals about it. And he was, you know, telling me this and that. And then I had to eat my words. And I was like, man, you know what? On second thought, this dude's going to be a legit wide receiver. I saw some things on tape and you brought out a lot of them. Like, hey, this guy can play that position pretty I, good.
0: You know, I saw people, I saw a couple of people um, mention him. But sometimes with, like, Twitter, they mm-hmm. they do this thing where it's, like, a broad, um, like, thing. it's not really, like, a breakdown of the player. They just mm-hmm. might mention something and just say, you know, it would be like an out route against zone. And he catches mm-hmm. the ball. Then he just turns up feeling field and he scores. And they're like, right. he's so good. And to me, it's like, well, he didn't really do anything. He, right. he ran to an open space. And of course. Somebody whiffed yeah. and just just At our age right now. Right. You know, so, um, but then when the 49ers drafted him, I went and took a, d- a deeper look and I saw some things that just weren't normal for someone his size. And right. that was when I was like, wait a minute, 49ers, 49ers might have something here. Uh, so I, I'm definitely really excited to see him. I, mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe, you know, just from what I hear about his attitude and his approach to the game and his approach to getting better, it's mm-hmm. like there's there's no way that somebody like that isn't going to succeed. So especially so, in that uh, offense, right? Especially with Kyle Shanahan, I know he's going to use those He knows it on, how to get guys Yeah, he
1: right. gets guys open, so it'll be fun to watch.
0: Right, man. So, man, again, man, I appreciate it, and I, I might have to have you on uh, maybe later this year to you know talk about how your boy's doing for the Colts.
1: Absolutely, I'm here for it. Appreciate All you right. having me. On. <laughs> you have a good one. All right, take it easy.
0: All right, once again, that was Chad Wilson, Red Iron Studs, on Twitter, All Eyes DB Camp on Instagram. Make sure you guys give him a follow, all right? And shoot, that's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure you guys check back in next week, next Tuesday, all right, and every Tuesday from here on out. Uh, Also, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Uh, That's much appreciated, and I appreciate all the love. I'm going to keep it coming right here on the Press Coverage Podcast.